Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back, and welcome to The Takeover. Uh, So this is a slightly different episode for our first episode of season four. So if you joined me last week for our strategy roundup, you will know that this is a new season, uh, which doesn't really mean anything because I don't have breaks between seasons. It's just a naming convention. But yeah, it's the fourth season and I'm kicking off with something a little bit different than the usual interviews that I put out. And this is something recorded quite recently with my good friend Jess, who was on the podcast way back in season one, episode 19. And Jess has come back as our first ever guest host. So Jess is running the show for this episode and asking me questions. And it was uh, so much fun. And um, I absolutely trusted Jess completely with, you know, handing over the reins because I'm a little bit of a control freak. Uh, I still have editing (laughs) control of putting it together, but um, absolutely Jess is uh, amazing, does such amazing work in the area of confidence and kind of career and that kind of stuff. And we connected when she was a guest on the show and then we've remained friends. I've done some of her confidence uh, programs, free and paid programs. um, And so she is fabulous for that. And it's so lovely to always, always lovely to speak to her, but in this context and her asking questions. So I really hope you enjoy this, seeing a a kind of different side of me. I'm really sort of geeking out in some of the passions I have. So we're talking about neurodiversity, we're talking about parenting a lot, about communication, about boundaries, about all of that kind of great stuff. Um, We will probably do, as you'll hear at the end, a part two, because we didn't really get into like mental well-being um, and some of the other things that I do. So if you enjoy this, do please let us know. And if you have any questions for a, a future takeover episode, but I really hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it. Uh, and Jess sounded like she enjoyed it as well. <laughs> so I um, hope you enjoy it. And I'll be back super quickly at the end. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Jess. I am so excited that you let me come and play on your show to be the guest host today because I don't get to do that in my life. And I get to interview you, the wonderful Hannah of Psyche Coaching, of all the amazing stuff you do. And one of the reasons that I, well, I think I pitched it to you, but you thought maybe it was your idea. So we'll go with a (laughs) co-creation of me interviewing you on your show is you are one of those people because I've known you for, well, we met through your podcast and you are one of those people who it always seems like you've already lived about 17 lives. Like every time I turn around, you're like, oh yeah. And then I traveled to that place or, oh yeah. And I do jujitsu or, oh yeah. And I swim in rivers with snake. Like there's just so much to you that I'm so excited to get to dig into all of the things that is Hannah um, and interview you for a change instead of you interviewing someone. So I'm so grateful you let me come and do this with you today. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, and I have absolutely no idea what you're going to ask. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> well, I did. I did do a, do you want my list of questions or should we just go magic free form? And you were like, let's just see what happens. So I'm like, yeah. 
I wouldn't have like, prepped anyway, <laughs> even looked at them. I've got a couple of interviews like coming up and they're like, oh, I've sent some questions. I'm just going to go back and go like, yeah, sure, whatever, they're fine. Sure, sounds great. <laughs> See you there. Yeah, so we're doing the same. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first somewhat boring but important question is, can you give us your like 60 second overview of how you got to where you are now with the coaching work you're doing and well, and all of the things that we will dig into, of course, but what brought you to starting the organization that you run um, and your amazing podcast? Like what brought you here? Give, give us the highlights. I don't know if it's 60 seconds. <laughs> um, I feel like it's, it's, it's like been a journey and, and it's something, it's funny when you look back, you're like, Oh, these things make sense now. And at the time mm. you're just like stumbling around in the dark going like, Oh, I don't know what to do. But um, I think mental health has always been something that is really um, important to me and I've been interested in. And um, from my at least teens, possibly before, uh, anxiety and depression was like part of my experience. And actually, it wasn't until I was sort of like coming up to turning 30, I was like, oh God, I've like been depressed for like since the beginning of time. Um, when I thought, you know, at the time that there were like distinct periods. So it personally was something that had um, been of interest and that I'd struggled with and then kind of got to a point where I was like, well, I've had enough now. <laughs> I have to actually try and do something about this. And mm. and it's quite nice that I have times where I'm in a bit of a funk, um, but I'm, I wouldn't say like I'm actively depressed at the moment. I don't know if that's a phrase, but um, and then <laughs> professionally, I had like no idea what I wanted to do when I finished uni. Mm. I went into finance. I was like, this isn't really for me. Spent four years doing it anyway. <laughs> but um, I did work for a nonprofit that um, worked with people to support them with like education and interwork people with disabilities. And mm. and I, it was like, I don't want to be in the back office kind of thing, like seeing the impact that you can actually have on people's lives. I was like, I want to do that. So I retrained as a teacher. Um, but then as a teacher, I mostly worked with people who are on the autistic spectrum and neurodiverse mm-hmm. so that's a big thing and <laughs> they were like you're one of us and so that's been part of my <laughs> my journey as well um but they had a lot of mental health stuff going on and that obviously I was employed as a teacher and you're supposed to try and teach them um mm. but sometimes they couldn't even access the classroom really because of anxiety because stress because of what was going on and I was like the education system is too limited it's too narrow a focus I want to work more broadly kind of like holistically with whole people um, and mental health and neurodiversity all that kind of stuff um, is what I'm really interested in so Mm. now I'm in this weird place (laughs) where I'm sort of um, training to be a counsellor because I really want to be able to help people therapeutically as well but coaching and helping people to kind of figure out how they can make changes in their life um, and kind of sharing a bit of the whatever I've learned on my my mm. journey um, and a bit of um, teaching still and lecturing and lots of volunteering I just kind of I don't know I, I love this space like mental health space and so I just kind of and I think for my own my own well-being I've realized I can't just do one thing mm. at a time like one job so I like to do lots of different things and like my ultimate dream is to be able to do a bit of coaching a bit of counseling a bit of probably research the podcast which I love um volunteering and teaching and all of that and I realize this has not been 60 seconds <laughs> it's been like way longer. but yeah 
No, but see, we, we set the bold goal of 60 seconds knowing we'd go over. That's good. That's what we wanted. That works. Um, okay. So can I ask, I want to dig into a couple points in that sure. story. Okay. So you had said, and this was on your website too. This was something I was curious about from you. It, it was kind of that thing of you've lived for so long with anxiety, with depression, with, with not feeling okay. Um, and just kind of getting by. And then, and then you sort of looked around and went, wait a minute, <laughs> surely this human experience could feel different. What was that moment? Was there something that happened? Was there a straw that broke the back or was it just a slow buildup of, hang on, this can feel different. What, what was that? Yeah. I, I don't know if there was one like specific, I think there are, there are a few things. Um, I think like stereotypically turning 30, I was probably a bit like, oh, what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I'd had a period of time in my job where I was being bullied by my boss. So that was like a really uh. difficult period. But actually I was planning a sabbatical with, um, with my friend Debbie and we, we talked about this on the podcast. She came on for an episode uh. and, um, and I was like, do you know what? It's not okay that there is management that is treating people like this, that I have friends that have left, that have been in tears because of this. I'm leaving. I know there's a finite time that I'm here. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to put in a grievance. And I'm someone that doesn't like conflict. <laughs> I don't like, mm. you know, and, and I normally would just like, just bury like how I'm feeling. But I think that process of going, no, I'm going to stand up for this. I'm going to make myself uncomfortable because I don't think this is right. And, you know, it, we kind of went through it. They still weren't great to me, but I was like, whatever, <laughs> I've done it. Um, and I think also then traveling was something I'd always wanted to do. And then I've never, but I shouldn't say that because it's a limiting belief, but I've always <laughs> found money is something that stresses me out. And so mm-hmm. the idea of like going traveling, so I wanted to do, and I'd always like just not have the money. And the fact that I managed to save working a ridiculous amount, doing my master's, studying two master's at one point. <laughs> and like, it was just this weird year of like doing all this mm-hmm. stuff but the fact that we got to travel for a bit and I was like really proud of being able to do that, of having stood up for myself. Mm. Um, and also I think the realization in that transition period, I was like, actually, I really, the sort of the, the counseling and the mental health stuff, I was like, I, for me personally, and I know purpose is something that, that we've talked about before. Some people don't, don't feel they have a purpose, which is absolutely fine. But for me, like if I don't feel like I'm doing something meaningful, I really struggle <laughs> to like motivate myself or, mm. you know, and so it was that kind of actually I'm, I'm not enjoying life. I'm sort of working at things where it's getting me down. I'm not doing anything about it. I'm sort of maybe not taking personal responsibility and actually trying to sort things out. I'm just sort of staying in this place and not being okay. And, and I think I'd have this experience of going, Oh, actually I can take some action and do things that maybe I didn't think was possible. So I think it all kind of combined into um, and when I was away, I had a lot, of, a lot of time and space to go, what do I want to do? I spent so much time. I've got this notebook and it's all like planning if I had like my own school. <laughs> that would be like, and all this, that's what I spent my time doing when we were like chilling mm. out in La Paz for a bit. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I will do, <laughs> I will do this. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was just that whole experience. I was like, okay, I don't want to, you know, in another 10 years, 15 years, look back and go, what have I what have I what have I done with my time I've not been okay um so yeah I was like I've got to, got to do some stuff googled what's good for depression which is not the first time I've done that obviously but yeah, uh, google is is often where we start it's like 
what should I do with my life? I'm going to start by Googling it and then I'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. (laughs) Well, and there's two things I heard in there, which knowing you as much as I do, don't surprise me. One is it sounds like one of the big catalysts for you was in service of others. Like it was almost that I can put up ish with being treated terribly, but seeing other people being treated terribly and leaving and crying and having mental health because of this, I'm going to take a stand. And that is very, Hannah, like very just always in service of everyone else. So yeah, I hear that in there too. And then I guess the other thing too, that, um, that I, I wish I did more of, cause I, it's one of those, I don't practice what I preach, but I love that you just articulated is like putting yourself in your future state. And if you looked back 15 years from now, like, would you be happy with what you were doing? Would you feel good about what you're doing? And, and look, I am the first one to say, if you have a mortgage, I am not suggesting you walk into your boss's office tomorrow, set his desk on fire. And, you know, like that's, you know, you still have some life things you might need to plan for, but just take stock and just stop for a second, just five minutes and just reflect on, is this, would I be proud? Am I going to be proud looking back on this? Is this going to feel good? And sometimes it's like, yeah, I feel great. I'm, you know, I'm working a job. I'm providing money for my family, whatever, whatever. But, but really just checking in. And I love that that was part of it too, is 15 years from now, like, what do I want to, what do I want to look back on? Um, And that's such a good tool for people, for your listeners too, to just think about. Mm. I love that. Okay. So one of the things that I have on my list, (laughs) Another boring question, but with you, the answer will be fascinating. <laughs> Most people I talk to when I say like, what are you up to in your work? They, they live <laughs> two things. They're like, well, I've got this book and I've got this program I run, or, well, I do this accounting thing and I have this, you know, whatever this volleyball stuff I do. You are going to about to rattle off 72 things. So a uh, boring question. Okay. But what do you got going on, <laughs> Hannah? Because there just always seems to be a breadth of things in your world. Like a lot. <laughs> and I'm still like, I had an interview before this for like uh, something else. I was like, oh, that might be quite cool to like put in the mix as well. Which yeah. might, they're like within a week, like, you know, I've already got an email to say <laughs> that I got it. You know, yeah. and I was doing some like specialist tutoring, like in SEN stuff. So is. actually, so I do still do a little bit of private tutoring, but I really cut back. So it's just really specialist. So I'm a dyslexia and autism specialist teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I am doing a day week lecturing in psychology and sociology, which is cool. I've never been called a lecturer before. I've been a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's so awesome, I think, because it's adults and they actually like want to be there and learn. But we have the most amazing discussions. And I just have been mm. completely in flow when I'm there like authentically me and it's just awesome and it's just a day a week so it's not mega stressful um I've I'm doing um a diploma in counseling so I can be a counselor it's like a three-year program that's just started I'm also doing a <laughs> a module towards a bachelor's degree in the, with the OU I'm going into my third year for that because I just thought why not do a degree for fun sure yeah why not I, can, no, I get a definitely. student loan so it's, essentially it's free at the moment it won't be ultimately but so I was like, why not just do that for fun? So <laughs> stunning that. Um, so obviously the podcast um, and uh, some coaching, although I don't have a huge amount of coaching clients at the moment. I've got a couple of spaces. They go a little plug. Um, I don't have a massive caseload because <laughs> so many other things I do. And actually they all keep me energized and able to really like support people. Um, 
I'm starting a social enterprise, which I've mentioned. So I've got some exciting policies to write for that at the moment. Um, so we're very much in like the strategy building. And so that's really early intervention, mental well-being support for young people in the broader sense, up to like 35. So that's still very early, but very exciting. Um, so I've got that going on. I have my day job as well. So I do some finance stuff. Um, well, and I do a lot of volunteering. So I'm um a peer mentor around mental health. Um, I'm a Samaritans listening volunteer and a bereavement volunteer and a school governor actually as well. Um, and I do a bit of professional mentoring uh, with young people. And I think that is everything. Okay. <laughs> now <laughs> the sensible follow-up question, Hannah, whenever I speak to you, I, I feel the need to have a nap just from hearing the sheer amount of things you have going on. How do you manage the balance? Because mental health is important to you too, which requires, I'm sure, lots of um, uh, like physical health stuff and spiritual health and time away and downtime and self-care. But so how, how, Hannah, do you do the 72 things and take care of your mental health as well? Like, what is yeah. that looking like? I mean, it is very cyclical and there are often things that, <laughs> that give. Sure. Um, and often I, um, it's the, sometimes like the exercise kind of thing that goes or the, you know, not eating loads of like croissants for breakfast sure. or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so sometimes it's that. Um, and I do have a fair amount of like veg time on the sofa. Like I need to, so like I'm watching NCIS and I've got this app on my phone, which is like color by numbers. And that's super relaxing to just mm -hmm. like <laughs> just reset um but it's really funny I I saw something the other day about um overstimulation versus understimulation and what and what they're like mm -hmm. and sometimes when I'm having like a vegging time I kind of feel like oh it's because I'm like overstimulated and actually I think it's not <laughs> if I'm not actually like engaging my brain enough or stuff like that then mm -hmm. I can feel really like in a funk and actually it's because I'm maybe doing like the wrong kind of stuff so then I was like listening to some podcasts about Freud uh, the other day because that's kind of what we've been doing um, mm. and, um, you know, and, and diving into reading like positive psychology and that kind of stuff. And, and so sometimes then actually that's really energizing for me. Oh. So, that, so there are some things that maybe for other people to hear, they go like, oh, that is, <laughs> sounds so tiring. But actually lots of those things can give me, you know, like, like a, a boost and um, I, I think I do need to manage <laughs> manage them, but I think also sometimes I, I think it's playing into my own personal strengths. I think with the neurodiversity side, that I can get really hyper focused on things I'm passionate about and lose track of time and kind of be in flow and 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 so I can do loads of stuff like that and and it feel fine. And then some of the other things like I'm rubbish at doing laundry. I will tell you that my house uh -huh. is a mess because uh -huh. like my brain just doesn't work that way. It's yeah. like, be like, oh, I'm running out of clean pants. I probably should do some laundry. It's not like a, there's not like an inbuilt thing that goes, oh, it's like that time of the week where I do laundry. I don't have that. <laughs> you know, so, so I just, so that's why probably I'm like living in chaos, but <laughs> doing all this other stuff. But I think it's just, we, we all have different ways that, that we function and, you know, being a domestic goddess, I do quite actually quite like to cook and like bake and stuff, but I'm not ever gonna you know be like a professional declutterer or organizer or right. have like this stunning home although it's funny 
something I've been talking about with my therapist. When I have a daydream, like I don't really remember dreams. If I daydream, I'm always, always your best self, obviously. Sure. And my best self is always amazingly put together. And obviously the house is flawless. And I just don't have the motivation or probably even the desire really to make that <laughs> make that a reality. So, mm-hmm. so that's what gives. There you go. So fair enough. So in other words, you don't actually do all the things, even though from an outside perspective, it looks like you do. Do the things I want. Yeah, you do the things you want. Okay, that's fair. Just not laundry. No, it is sometimes. But, but you know what? That's okay. It's like I've said to you before, when at some point in the future, you can just have someone come over and do your laundry for you. And that can be, we'll throw that on the dreams list and they can just do that. And that'll be great. And- I, I'm tempted to ask my, and I have to get used to calling my husband because it like when we were engaged, oh, like right. fiance felt really Fiance is like, a weird word. Yeah, I couldn't like, use it. My fiance, like, yeah, I couldn't do it either. Do. So I've been like <laughs> partner because it's like, he's not my boyfriend anymore, like partner. But so now I'm like husband. Um, anyway, he is very, like, he has like a structure for like laundry and so I'm tempted at some point to be like like can that just be something that you do mm. what 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 are there jobs around the house that I can do that I feel like you're doing and laundry can just be something that you do mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I have not asked him about that yet mm-hmm. I think we'll put that on the list too then that feels like a good <laughs> feels like a good thing to take off the list like, with you, are, you are great at laundry can you do mine <laughs> <laughs> oh I love it um now I wouldn't I have to ask about the work you do with neurodiverse people because you're one of the few people I know who specialize in that. So I'm so curious. Like I know you said at the beginning, you kind of just, it's, it almost sounded like in your story, just by sheer luck chance, you fell into working with yeah. neurodiverse kids and then your interest in work in it grew from there. But can you just tell us a little more about that? Because yeah, it's not a common thing I come across, even though it, I think it should be because it's so much more common than I think any of us understand. Yeah. Well, and actually, you know, under neurodiversity, there's so, so many things under there. Um, Mm. And I I like to do little definitions. So for anyone who's like, oh, what's neurodiversity? Um, You know, we kind of think, and if you're, if you're a person who has, I was gonna say never struggled, but not ever struggled, but you just, you don't have like any, any sort of label. You've never sort of really had struggles at school that have been labeled anything. Then you're probably what we would call neurotypical that you just kind of like functioning and life is fine. Still difficult at times because life is. But, um, and so neurodiversity is people who neurologically, so their, their brains are just different in a completely awesome way, but some mm. people get very like, it's awful. And I, definitely don't describe subscribe can't even talk subscribe to that idea because it's just different and there are so many amazing strengths and I could list all these people through history that have definitely been neurodiverse when we look at their behaviors so you know autism ADHD dyslexia dyspraxia uh, all ways of being neurodiverse Um, and yeah it was just completely accidental really that I um, when I wanted to train to be a teacher um, I was like oh I need to have some experience of working with young people and a friend of mine we were working in finance. She was doing a bit of work part-time at this um, this school, this residential school. And I got a role, like a part-time role at the college equivalent. And just, it was awesome. <laughs> so it was young people who were autistic and I was a support worker. I did that throughout doing my teacher training. Um, and then once I qualified, I then switched to being a tutor there. And so it just happened by chance. But in my own life, I'd always kind of felt a bit like weird and a bit different and like why do I find social things really difficult or why you know 
why do mm. I just feel like an outsider? And um, yeah, and so, you know, by chance, I ended up there and got on so well with my students. And yeah, they, <laughs> they were very much like, you're one of us. And even some of my colleagues were like, you're definitely very AS, so um, Asperger's. <laughs> and, um, and actually, I had a colleague who's, uh, whose daughter came to college and she was like, you're really like Hannah because she's really AS. Um, and then I did go through the diagnostic process myself, but they were like, no. And there's a whole other thing about autism in girls and women and being diagnosed as an adult and how it's all the male model. And I have a ton of bookcases and <laughs> shelves of autistic books over here because I just think it's fascinating. Um, but I um, had that experience. And then I um, did, I started doing um, a master's in inclusive and special educational needs, dyslexia and autism. Although I actually, with COVID and everything and traveling, I kind of kept putting off my dissertation. And then I was like, do you know what? I've got one master's. I probably don't need two. That's just ego. It's just ego. I'll just uh, cash out a postgrad diploma. <laughs> so, uh, so that was really interesting, being, like being able to study autism mm. uh, as well, a bit more kind of theoretically and understand it. And then obviously the experience. And I just think there are so many misconceptions about, about autism. And, um, but, you know, you, I, sorry, Ginger, what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are? Because it's, I don't know that much about it either. Um, and I would love to understand more from you, just the top like three <laughs> that you see yeah. the myths of it or whatever that people yeah. don't get. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So what well, I guess a big one and lots of people talk about high and low functioning, which is a really, it's people tend to use it. So some, someone who is maybe Asperger's, which is actually gone as a diagnostic criteria, which again is uh, something a lot of people don't agree with some people probably do but people tend to use it if someone is maybe more able to function and they have that they're um, more able to communicate their, their verbal um and and maybe just seem to like be sort of functioning better then we might mm. say they're high functioning and someone maybe who's non-verbal maybe needs much more support we might say is low functioning but actually you know people tend to think of it as just like autism is like a spectrum and we talk about it like a spectrum but it's really like um if you imagine um, like a soundboard, you know, we have the mixes, mm. there are multiple things and people can have different things kind of higher or right. lower. And okay. so it's a really like oversimplification. And there's um, someone called Ros Blackburn who is autistic and she does these amazing, hilarious talks and shares her experience. And she's so funny, really verbal. And people like if they met her would think and she says this would think she's high functioning, but she needs so much support and like personal care support she's not like you know high functioning mm, not so, quote-unquote high functioning yeah, yeah sure. and so it's a completely like misleading thing and people in the autistic community do use it as well and it's but yeah it's it's like all these dials there's loads of sensory stuff that mm. um there's involved so when you see this idea of someone having like a um a meltdown which can kind of look like a, a, a tantrum sort of thing usually that's like a sensory overload and mm. if someone is in that, it's not, they're not choosing to like, <laughs> I'm just going to do this and get what I want. They are so overwhelmed that they just have to kind of let it out. And so no matter how much you might be like, no, no stop doing that. Or why can't they just control their child or whatever? It's not, that's not what's going on. Um, so um, this is not a very succinct couple of points. It's just no, like, it's <laughs> no, let, let it rip. no, it's good. <laughs> um, and I think the other thing is, and this is, um, again, there's a, there's a lot now of research, like participatory research of people who are autistic, 
you know, being involved or people who are neurodiverse and more verbal um, who are sharing their experiences, which, may, you know, everyone who's autistic is different. So it's always going to be different because we've all got mm-hmm. our own little different mishmash of dials wherever they are. Um, but you have with with some um, things, people will say like someone with something, you know, so I don't know, it could be a person with with dyslexia, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And people get like really, it's no, it's person first language, but actually with autism, lots of research has said that people prefer to say they are autistic, an autistic person, uh, or maybe a person on the autistic spectrum. Some people don't have a preference, but you know, people in the community say, no, it's not, I'm not a person with autism. This is like so fundamental to kind of who I am and how right. I am. I am autistic. Um, and so, and then people go like, no, 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 it's a person with autism. And it's that, you know, if people are telling you how they want to um, describe themselves and how they're going to kind of talk about their own experience, don't tell them that it's not right. Mm. Um, and the other thing, this is a, a big bugbear of mine when I was in mainstream education, that you can get into this pattern of like, I've, to- I've told them this, right? I've, I've told my child this, why aren't they getting it? And it might be that, that you think you've, you've given it to them in the, the most understandable way. They might've gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that actually they, they fully understood the message. They might have misinterpreted. They might not have got it. Um, and so, you know, it's not being like deliberately naughty if they're not kind of following instructions. It might be that they just haven't understood or they've misunderstood, you know. Um, and I <laughs> had an example with students. And actually, sometimes it's really logical, the, the processes. And actually, um, Hannah Gadsby has this uh, thing on YouTube. Love her. Yeah. So funny. And she talks about this <laughs> situation at school, which is hilarious, but you can completely see like the logic she is going through because what the teacher said is confusing. And, you know, if you've got someone who's maybe more literal, they're like, well, why? And so I had this, um, the student, the rule at school was um, if you got given, um, if you got sent to the isolation for a full day, you had to do a detention in the evening. Isolation is a whole other thing I could talk about, <laughs> rant about. But anyway, he got sent halfway through the first lesson of the day, right? He didn't go to detention. And then he got in trouble the next day because he didn't go to detention. He's like, it wasn't but a it, full day. It wasn't a full day. Yeah, I get it. It's not I a full it. day. Like, yeah. the, you know, and it's like, no, if you've, um, you know, if you've promised someone something and they're, they're going to like, that is 100% true, they're literal, and then you go back on it then they you've completely destroyed the trust and then you've got to repair it and and sometimes you have people who wouldn't get that or they would hold a grudge over something and so (laughs) just be an adult you've got to you know be an adult and try and understand where things are coming from and you know with behavior you can get a lot about you know challenging behavior behavior the challenges but it's it's communicating something like Mm. if a young person is angry often it means they are worried, they're anxious, they're upset about something and anger is much easier to communicate. Um, and it's saying something isn't right. And, you know, there's no point really punishing a child because they've shouted out in the class or whatever. It's it's trying to understand what is going on for them and to try and support them with it. And unfortunately, you know, if you've got a class of 30, that's really difficult to do in the education system. But it's probably why I don't teach in mainstream really anymore. But um, yeah, there's just, I don't know, just some thoughts I could go on for. Like, honestly, I could talk about this all day. And I have to say this to people sometimes, like, you just got, like, mental health, autism. You have to stop me because I would just 
keep going. Okay, but I, I do actually have one more question about <laughs> neurodiversity, even though, yeah, this wasn't <laughs> technically the, anyways. And this question is going to come across reeking a little bit of toxic positivity. And I truly don't mean it that way. It's me being curious in your experience or, or research, like what are the benefits to neurodiversity? Because I think I have seen so often in the few things that I've seen in the media or, you know, whether that's TV or news or whatever, it being a quote unquote diagnosis, which of course there is so much to, you know, benefits to that, I'm sure for the individual and the family and all that. But I can't help but wonder, like, if this is something that is in humans, like, surely there is some benefits like I but I again I don't mean it in a just look on the bright side (laughs) sunshine like I appreciate there's so many challenges but can you give any insights into yeah into like what is beautiful about it yeah absolutely I can Um, and and I think that yeah it is challenging because we're set up in a neurotypical world and Mm. we're trying to get people to fit into that and if that is a complete different way of thinking then it's like but I don't understand. <laughs> like, mm. so I don't know how to be in this world because I don't understand it. And that can be the, the challenge. But, um, you know, I think things like dyslexia, for example, people, and this is like generalizing broad, sure. broad brush, but people with dyslexic tend to be really creative, entrepreneurial. They kind of see big picture things in a different way. Uh, mm. Sometimes they are, are much better kind of verbally. Um, than, mm. than they are with writing and they can be really confident speakers. And you have people like Richard Branson, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going off to space. <laughs> so who's famously dyslexic, dropped out of school, um, I believe, or university or anyway. Um, and then, you know, for things like um, like autism, really hyper-focused and having these, um, and again, not everyone, but like these special interests that they can talk about so passionately, enthusiastically, mm. honestly not get tired <laughs> by. Um, and if you can kind of harness those strengths, you know, and, and this, again, isn't true for everyone on the spectrum. Some people are going to have more challenges like being in employment. And it's su- it's one of the groups, I think, that is um, it's a really tiny, tiny percentage of people who are autistic in the UK that are employed um, because they might need support with some of the things that we just sort of expect, you know, um, mm. to happen. But, yeah, that that sort of um, hyper focus being very um detail orientated sometimes um you know following instructions um it can be really empathetic and understanding Mm. and you know and particularly of people who uh, also have differences in some way um and then um (laughs) adhd as well it can be again hyper focus you can sort of like it can be it can be difficult because you jump you can jump between ideas between things like have this intense passion for something and be like right i'm over that now Mm. into into this Mm -hmm. thing um but you know it's and and the kind of the energy and I mean I mean I've loved all the students that I've ever worked with obviously but my favorite you know are are ones who they they are so unique and and amazing and I think it's something it's very like positive psychology isn't it that we should all know our own strengths and we should Mm. embrace them we should work on them we shouldn't just be like oh, here are these things that I'm not great at. Let's become mediocre at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, that's, and I know this is something that you, you talk yeah, about as sure. well, you know, that we should really embrace our strengths. And for a long time, I think we've seen neurodiversity in our societies as atypical 
and we've been like no we need to sort of like try and fix you make you fit in we try and make right. you like mediocre at these things that you find difficult where actually why can't we support people to go yes we've got to be able to help you kind of survive in society but that doesn't mean we have to change you and make you fit in and why mm. don't we take your strengths and go like how can we harness those and use them um and obviously everyone's going to be an individual and this is very like generalizing but, sure. and I think when you have young people who can see it as some some see it as really disabling because that's how they they experience it and some people see it as like a superpower um and I think how parents see it has a big impact if you have parents who think that getting a diagnosis is the worst thing in the world then mm. that's going to be passed on to their child that feeling it doesn't mean it's not difficult and you know to get a diagnosis you really have to like amp up the negative stuff um but you know it can help you access support it can really help people understand themselves and their experience Uh and I think if you've got parents who are prepared to sort of help nurture and support the strengths which I think hopefully most parents are trying to do anyway with any child then uh, yeah Uh it it reminds me there's this woman random example but this woman that I follow on Instagram who I really like and uh like and you know she that's her job is she's a you know huge presence on Instagram and her 14 year old son finally got a diagnosis of autism and they were so excited because he was like yes I knew my brain worked differently than everyone else yes I'm so like they were like hooray we finally have proof that your brain works differently. Like it's not just, and they were celebrating the fact. And I just thought that was so such a beautiful way to approach it that, yeah, fine. Will he maybe need support in different ways? Sure. And what a beautiful way to look at it. Like my brain is so cool. So much cooler than all of you. Like I mean, to look at it in that way. There's a brilliant clip because Temple Grandin is like the, you know, uh, amazing uh, autistic woman who um, has like a PhD in like, bovine stuff um (laughs) farm stuff but she um has written a lot about about autism and there was a film with Claire Danes in it about her life and there's a scene in it where it's like in the oh god seven sixties seventies um some a while ago (laughs) I want to like age her wrong um and um it's this autism convention and people are really limited view and she gets up and says something and they're like, well, how old is your child? She's like, oh, I don't have children. You can see they're turning back around and like, whatever. She's like, no, I'm autistic. And then everyone's like, oh my God, what do you have to say? And she says this thing that her mom used to say to her, that she is um, different, not less. And mm. I think that is, you know, that idea that different, not broken, not less, just different. And like, what's wrong with being different? Mm. You know, I got, got a little choked up. You've caught me on an emotion. No, but I think, <laughs> That is just such a cornerstone, actually, Hannah, of all the work that I see you do, of just this idea that it doesn't have to be less, it just has to be, it just, well, not even has to be, it just can be different, and that can be beautiful, and you support people in all of that, like, and we haven't even touched on, like, we're running out of time, we haven't even touched on all the work you do with parents, supporting their kids, and um, yeah, and I just, I love that you always come with this perspective of different different, different. Yeah. Different, different, different. And that can be beautiful. It can be challenging and it can also be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's life, isn't it? It can be challenging. Also beautiful. (laughs) I know. And I like the disclaimer of listen, neurotypicals, your life is quote unquote easier because all the things are structured for you. 
And that's just, and life is still hard too. That's okay. It's yeah. okay. It's just that it's not hard with the addition of living in a world that is not made for you. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, those, yeah. just an extra layer of hard on there. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Um, if someone is listening to this and thinking like, that kind of sounds like me, even though I, or that sounds like my kid, or that's like, where do you think they should start with looking into this journey and understanding this more aside from obviously talking to you because you're so (laughs) incredible and knowledgeable and skilled in this whole area. Like, is there anything else you think people should look to or look for? What is that? What are are your advice there? Yeah. So, uh, if, um, it's a school age child, then linking the school, the teacher and the Senko is for the UK. But I imagine there is equivalents in Canada and in the US. Someone, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they may have access to like screeners or that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, the NHS might have some useful information, but uh, the National Autistic Society website and the full information about autism, there is probably an equivalent for ADHD but I'm not 100% sure of the, mm-hmm. the name of it. Um, and then British Dyslexia Association for that. And, and often you can find these like little questionnaire things to do. And they tend to be very much the kind of stereotypical things that, mm-hmm. you know, actually if you do them or read like a list of like the common symptoms and if you kind of think, oh, that sounds familiar um, or, you know, then um, yeah, through school or through your GP um, mm-hmm. is usually the way for, for autism and ADHD through a GP or a psychiatrist or school dyslexia would be more through school um, or the British Dyslexia Association uh, if you're an adult. So, uh-huh. and then equivalents in other countries, sorry. But <laughs> 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 an expert, a global expert, like a little brain encyclopedia of like, what country are you? Yeah, all of the, <laughs> how, whatever, how many countries in the world? A lot of them. Lot. Anyways, we, yeah, we, we expect with your beautiful British accent that the resource <laughs> expertise is probably in the UK. That's fair. Yeah. That's very fair. Um, okay. I do have some lightning round questions. Okay. Can I ask you them? Yeah, I'll try right. and be okay. snapping. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, it's your podcast, so you can do whatever you want. Um, okay. Okay. Ready? Okay. Yeah. They're simple and like frothy. We're okay. going to froth it up. Okay. Right. Awesome. Co- coffee or tea? Oh, uh, <laughs> depends on time of day. Um, coffee in the morning, after tea in the afternoon. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll give you both. That's fair. Um, print or audiobook? print I do listen to some audio books but I love print I say, I, you're about to say both again aren't you you're yeah, not- <laughs> but, but if I have to that one I can choose if strong armed okay. to print okay um beach or forest beach uh weirdest job you've ever done oh uh I don't know if I've had any particularly weird jobs I bet you have um not really they're a bit boring Okay, weirdest thing, weirdest thing that's happened to you in one of your boring jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's really. Oh well, um, I taught at summer school. That was really weird. <laughs> that counts. Oh no, that actually that was volunteering. I was going to say like, but uh, like any job where you, no, like, you're it counts. Yeah, yeah, where you're encouraged to like wear fancy dress for it and like make an absolute fool of yourself. I think it's an right. awesome job, but okay. um, yeah. We'll count that. Okay, that's fair. Um, any birthday traditions you have? Not really for birthday. Um, for a while, I used to like, because some companies give you free stuff on your birthday. So it's a real like, I want my free Krispy Kreme donut. 
but like I'm not gonna you have your list of 15 yeah places like that my like... free stuff okay uh, but not good. really actually the last few years it's been uh I have a friend who has um, an award-winning Indian restaurant I love Indian food so that's like a little tradition of like I'm gonna go and eat Indian food with some friends okay, okay. Yeah. I like that what would you what thing you always order at an Indian restaurant oh I change um because there's so they have this like lamb shank dish Mm-hmm. like amazing but then I had this like special curry it's always lamb to be honest uh, of some kind mm-hmm. let's yeah. go with that always lamb <laughs> always <laughs> but, lamb that's fair um, yeah um you have to sing karaoke what song do you pick um I'm gonna say um Oasis don't look back in anger because oh. I've actually sung this and got a pretty good reception and then I was feeling confident this is when I was traveling in Australia and I went for like Simple Man, which I love to sing to myself, but obviously I'd been overconfident and I completely could not find yeah. the tune and it was like a car crash. But luckily my friend had gone back to the hostel at that point. I didn't know those people. I didn't care. You're good. Yeah, I, like, I made Yeah, I made the mistake of picking Hey Jude once. Turns out it's actually kind of a hard song to sing, to sing yeah. on key, or at least it's yeah. hard for me and untrained. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the Oasis, it's quite, it's not too high or lower range. It's like pretty, yeah. you know. Okay. Quite I'll nasally as well. So you can always just like play into that. <laughs> Nasal <laughs> through, you're good. Okay. Um, okay. And last one, you're having a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Who are the three people you're going to invite? And it, and don't pick like your aunt Sally, because we don't know who that is. So three people that are like, you know, well-known that you invite. Mm-hmm. David Attenborough. Oh, good one. Because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I feel like He's a bit of a flirt. I'm not saying necessarily flirt with me, but he was on Graham Norton. He was flirting with Cameron Diaz and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else? Um, maybe Stephen Fry as well, because I think he's so interesting. He talks about mm-hmm. mental health, but also like just history and all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, and then it's going to be like all men. Oh. Yeah, it's going to be all. And probably the Dalai Lama, because I feel like that would be, he'd be like a really interesting Ooh. person. To and to be fair, he seems really funny. So he yeah. could bring a little bit of the humor to the thing. I feel like they're all quite funny. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Fry is so like, yeah. yeah. He's, okay, okay. And yeah, David yeah, bro, he's got some humor in his little yeah. grandpa self. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. I'd attend that dinner party. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, you can come as well. Um, okay, Hannah. Anything else about what you have going on? Because you always share everyone else's stuff and not the amazing stuff you're doing. Anything else that we want to point people to, that we want to like give people resources on that you can help people with? What else do we want to just make sure people know about that you have going on? Yes. Uh, (laughs) So I do have um, a freebie that I wrote um, and I had to really condense it down because I went like way... (laughs) over on the word count um, and it's for specifically for parents of teens and it's called taking the tension out of talking to your teen who doesn't love alliteration oh, so um and so it's six things to sort of think about with communication and some of them are is basically unfortunately we can't control other people <laughs> as mm. much as we might want to so it's not like six ways to control your teen to it's like six ways that you can change or like um you can sort of influence how conversations go by like how you show up and what energy you're bringing into the situation, not just with teens, really with anyone. Um, So I have that, which there's a link to, I think on my, on my website. And I also have a Facebook group uh, called the happy, healthy parent club. And so this is sort of branching out 
from working with young people directly, which I still love to do and do do. But I think, you know, parents often neglect their own well-being. <laughs> so it's a space for like kind of community and well-being support. And I kind of pop up once a week doing a live on some sort of topic, often about well-being or parenting. But it's also kind of like we're doing now that being able to go, I've got this concern about my child and I don't really know mm. what to do. Um, being able to like be that sort of place that you can say, I'm, I'm really worried about this. Is it is it okay? What should I do? Who should I talk to? Because yes, you can Google and you can find stuff, but it's like, I've got a lot of knowledge in my head and, you know, I, lots of those questions I can just like quickly answer or reassure. And so I think that's what I'm trying to create this space, a place to kind of go, I need some support around my well-being, my child's well-being. I have this question and just being able to like quickly help people know they can, you know, who to come to basically um, so that they're not stressing out because it's, and I'm not a parent, but you know, parenting <laughs> is from parents I work with stressful at times. And particularly if you've got concerns and you don't know where to go, that just like bleeds out into everywhere else in your life. And it impacts on you being able to look after yourself and being able to work, you know, your relationship. So if I can like quickly in 10 minutes, half hour, help out, <laughs> answer that and save you like weeks of stress, then yeah. Mm. Well, and it's, it's exactly what you said too. Really, your your well, my assumption, anyways. I know you love us parents, but really, your goal is the kids, and one of the best way to make sure kids are happy and healthy and supported and have good boundaries and are you know is to kind of get to the source, and that is us parents more often yeah. than not. So I love that you are looking at different ways of supporting. Um, those delightful little kiddos. And I give you props, by the way, I don't really understand how people, like I look at my daycare provider, cause I have very young kids, so different season of life, but I look at the daycare providers and I just think, bless you, because I couldn't, I couldn't work with kids. Day. Like I just, I don't have, there's something missing in my DNA and I'm madly in love with my own children. And even then I'm like, yep, go to school. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See you later. And I just give so much credit to people like you who are willing and even interested in working with kids and one of them my, better yeah one of my specialties kind of when I was teaching was really anxious or really angry teenage boys don't know that is the that is the group <laughs> that everyone else in the world avoids just to be clear everyone else is like mm, let's push them aside because they're kind of awful and you're like let me at them let me in there I can get in there you know I mean <laughs> I had a student and he's and you know he's fab uh, and we're we're after an appropriate amount of time, he's an adult. Um, we're connected on social media. So he does occasionally send me like random pictures of like airplanes or whatever. Sure. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, there was oh, so many conversations with his parents, but to get him through his exams, there was a fair amount of bribery with McDonald's. So like, <laughs> it's kind of like some is, you know, sometimes it's creative methods. It's, um, sure. you know, yeah. But, um, a yeah. good friend of mine is a child life specialist at a children's hospital here in Canada. And she, the other day she said to me, Jess, I, I had to do this master. I had to defend my thesis. I had to work for years to get into my position where 80% of my job is bribing kids to get a needle. And she's like, but you know, oh, well, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of bribery. Sometimes it works. It's, it's like, it's a negotiation actually it's very sure I, that's like, a, I like that perspective negotiating yeah. <laughs> and and I guess like ultimately you know if you've got 
um, a, a child, you've got a teenager who's really anxious about exams, they've gone like, no, absolutely, mm. I'm not going in that room at all. Mm. And you've gone <laughs> over like an hour and a half. Let's talk about it. Let's get a coffee. Let's. And then you've got to point where it's like, what about McDonald's afterwards? And I think they might go like, how about McDonald's? And you're like, okay, fine. And then mm. they've gone in and they've done their exam. Like, mm. you know, on the scheme of things, it's in the grand scheme, that feels like a good trade. You know, in like again, look, you know, 15 years, you're like, oh, I wish they hadn't had that <laughs> that one McDonald's. But you're like, they got through their exams. They got through their exam. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's about it's about picking your battles, you know. And I think it's that children test people test boundaries, but children test boundaries, and often it's about being safe and and you know and mm. and I think if you've got things that are firm boundaries, it's it's really important to hold those. Mm. And um, so children feel safe, and they know like this is non-negotiable. And if you say this is the consequence, you have to follow through on it, no matter how difficult it is for you, because otherwise they will know well. Pfft, that's not that's not a rule and then you get louder yeah my dog does this because you like you know (laughs) once and then he is like well that's not a rule anymore and you know but um so there are some things like the non-negotiables that you know being firm and you might think oh it's unfair but actually it's we we feel safe when we know that this this is the boundaries this is the parameters that I'm in that I that I feel safe Mm -hmm. within but for some things I think it's really important to ask yourself like like what is the point like why like, is it important? Are you making yourself stressed because your child hasn't put their socks in their laundry basket and they're just in front of it? Like, is that a non-negotiable for you? And it might be for mm. you. Or it might be like, I am stressing myself out over something that actually in the grand scheme of things, you know, we could have an argument about it and then we feel disconnected or we could be like, okay, let's spend that time doing something more loving. Like what's, um, you know, what are things that you can just kind of sometimes if need be let slide or negotiate mm-hmm. on and what are the things that you can't and it's something as a as a teacher I always try to be like that firm but fair so if they're having like a really difficult a difficult day they're not in the headspace to learn they've come in and they haven't had breakfast yet and they're late already <laughs> like I could go like well you're late you need to sit down you need to work and you know or I could go do you know what you're not really going to absorb any information in this half hour it's a much better use of time for you to go and have breakfast, have a cup of coffee, and then you can come back to the next lesson actually ready to learn. Mm. You know, because then it, it's just it's just more beneficial than going like, well, the rule is you have to be here at nine and you weren't. So now I'm going to have a go at you, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, I, thank you for validating this because I, I am a mediocre parent in most ways. The one thing that I... I work very hard on is trying not to say no, just because of my own annoyance. You know what I mean? Like, am I saying no for a safety reason or a true, like guiding this little person reason, or am I saying no? Cause I don't want to clean up the lentils after they do the game. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's not a good, like, I try to be super careful with what I say no to, because to your point, like when I say no, I, I can't, I, I don't like to negotiate once I've actually said no. And I will say like, and my, my, she's four. So she knows when I say no is very different from when I say, well, I would rather you not. And she's like, oh, I get, this is open for negotiation. She's like, <laughs> and she'll do like, mommy, let's make a deal. I'm like, okay, what's the deal? And cause you know, but when I'm like, no. And I try to hold, I don't do it perfectly. Let's be very honest. I'm a six out of 10 parent at the best of times, but 
there is something about, I don't think awful grownups come from parents who say yes to a lot of things. I think awful grownups are awful for all kinds of reasons, all learn bit like very oversimplification here, but often some of that comes from a lack of clear boundaries that have context, that have consequences that they understand. Like I think the world is gonna be really weird and not always kind to our kids. And that's just true. So if in our home, we can be kind and clear and give context, mm-hmm. um, that's a great gift. Not always easy, <laughs> yes. to your point, hence why you started the club, like yeah. life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and absolutely, and a couple of things for you, um, and I'm conscious of time, but uh, there's uh, someone called Winnicott who says this idea of the good, em- good enough mother, like you can't yeah. be perfect, don't even try, just be good enough. You're good enough. Awesome. Uh, so like one. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about like at work, right, if you're if you're in a workplace or even if you it's like anywhere you go that has rules and if they change all the time, you're like, mm. oh my God, like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And if you're on edge all the time, edge, yeah. and if you are changing the boundaries all the time, you might think, oh, well, they're, um, you know, I'm being so loving. because <laughs> You're making it unsettling and confusing. Mm. Um, and that's wait. I just want anyone listening to really hear that you think when you give in or change the rules up, depending on whether you're in a good mood, you're being loving and fun, but actually you're making it an unsettling on edge environment, not through good intention. So we're not shaming, but yeah, that is the end result is it's yeah. unsettling. Anyways, yeah. I just wanted to and, like, and, yeah, and I, I think it's a really, you know, healthy mix to, to be like, there are some things that are no, and then we, we communicate that. And there are some things that, you know, there's some, some wiggle room because if you're giving in to everything or you're saying no to everything, like the two extremes mm. are not healthy. So having, having um, a mix and there's something, you know, when, if we're talking about emotions and communicating emotions, this idea, and I read this from someone, I can't remember who, <laughs> but this idea that, you know, if a child is crying or they're upset or they're really angry and often parents, they don't want their child to be upset because one, they don't want their child to be hurting, but also it's uncomfortable for you. Mm. So, and they're kind of, no, 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 everything's fine. Actually, it's quite, it's quite harmful because what you're really teaching is it's not okay to like feel those messy emotions. Mm. Um, but really it's, it's not about what the child's doing. It's because you don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't mm. want to deal with the discomfort and the distress. My child's upset. And actually, if you can kind of go, right, this is uncomfortable, but it's okay. And then, and then sort of be with them in that distress. Like, you know, what's going on? What's the feeling? Let them kind of sit with it for a bit. And then you can quite kind of go like, well, what can we do to kind of move through it? But like really owning it and acknowledging the feeling, which is something I'm still working on a lot of what's <laughs> aren't good at because our parents have been like, oh, no, 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 you're fine. You don't, you're not upset. You're not angry. Actually, it's much healthier to, to allow them those. And, you know, so many things can be because we are uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. we give in or we, we don't want to hold the boundaries or um, we don't want them to feel those emotions. But actually what's going to be much healthier is to be more consistent to allow them to feel those emotions, to allow them to explore. And there's, um, I don't know if you've heard of this idea of gentle parenting, which mm-hmm. I love. And there's some some yeah. videos I've seen on like TikTok and YouTube of that, like if your child knocks like a glass over or they just like pour it, then what's the kind of thing they're trying to explore about the world behind it? What are they trying to learn? And then you can kind of, you know, calmly be like, okay, it's not okay <laughs> to like pour glasses over. 
let's mm-hmm. clean it up because that's what we do when we spill stuff and then your your interest in pouring so let's set up some kind of game or saying where you can you can explore and you can try it out because that's what they're trying to do and mm-hmm. so I love that idea of you know um yeah. I that's so beautiful and I just want to acknowledge you are giving us parents a lot of credit which I love and thank you Hannah for doing that <laughs> sometimes what's also happening is we forget their world is so much smaller than ours you know what I mean so they get really upset because they left their chalk out in the rain and now it's mushy and we're like who cares you can get more at the dollar store calm down you know we forget that their world is a different size and shape yeah. than ours so sometimes it's because we're like, oh my child I don't even and sometimes it's why are you mad about that weirdo you know what I mean and we just have to really yeah. try to hold the perspective of their world is it there's yeah. different meaning to things in their world than there is to us and that's okay that's not because they you know and I something that I'm sure you will agree with me on but it drives me it drives me nuts is when people dismiss teenage romantic relationships. This is that makes my blood boil. I'm like, no, they (laughs) are in love. I don't care that they're only 14. They do feel love and you dismissing their heartbreak and saying like, Oh, you'll get, what are we going to do? Marry him? Like, who cares? You'll be fine. I just, it really truly makes my blood boil. So I have some thoughts on this. (laughs) (laughs) And actually this is something that is in my taking attention out of talking to teens actually and stories. And I know stories is something that you talk about as well, because Yes, you know, we make sense of our world mm. through our experiences. And the more experience we've had, the more we're able to kind of create these stories and make sense and we can kind of predict what's going to happen. And so a small child has not had as much experience. So mm. the fact they left their chucker outside, that is a disaster. Because, mm. Yeah. Because that's the story. And they don't have like enough life experience to go, like, well, it's fine. We can just get out like down the shop. And um, yeah, and the same for for teenagers or for anyone, like if your child whatever age if they feel like something is the end of the world like that is probably the story they're telling themselves how they're feeling mm. and to, to kind of go yeah like that it, it's really hard it's painful it hurts when when you feel that way um and they haven't had the life experience to know do you know what sometimes love is painful and you can and you can move on they don't know that and mm. you saying well <laughs> you know in my day or when I did it it's not helpful mm. it's like if someone says to you you know, something awful's happened. You're upset, and I say, "Oh, do you know what that happened to me?" And it was fine. <laughs> like it was fine. Yeah, that is not going to chill out. Get... It's like great. It... Yeah, Thanks. It... <laughs> yeah, it like it minimizes how you feel and yes. and that kind of thing. And I think the other thing that pops into my head when you're saying that, that I think is really important as well, is you know, if your child and particularly this happens with teens a lot, and they are um they're like gaming a lot, and there was something. There's this thing on Twitter called "Am I the asshole?" <laughs> But people will put a question, they go like, oh, I'm on this one. And there's this mum and her, her son hadn't done something that she'd asked or something. And she deleted his Minecraft world that he'd spent years creating. Like it was art, like it's, he's creating, that is his world. And when you destroy oh. something like that, or yeah, or you don't take serious, like, yeah, they love Fortnite. <laughs> You're not interested in Fortnite, but that is like what they're interested in and what excites them in their world. And mm. if you dismiss it, what you're saying is, I'm not interested in what you're interested in. Like you're mm-hmm. interested, don't interest me. And yes, I'm not saying <laughs> you have to listen for five hours about Fortnite, but a little bit of like, tell me about Fortnite or tell me about Minecraft. Let's play together for a little bit. Share those interests. That is going to be so amazing for your mm. child. And absolutely don't delete them. <laughs> like, don't. It's like de- destroying that artwork. You know, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, children learn so much from what they see or like what's communicated and you're not taking the interest in dismissing 
their interests that maybe you don't understand. You can say like, I don't really understand it, but tell me about it. Like, I want to learn more. What you're saying in that is not, I want to learn about, <laughs> about Minecraft. It's, I am interested in you. You're an interesting person. I care about you and about your world. And that's so, so valuable. You know, you're getting me choked up again, <laughs> Hannah. I, as a parent, I can just say, I'm so grateful. I somehow, I don't even remember how I met you, but I'm so grateful <laughs> I have, and I'm grateful I am in your happy parents. What is it called? Cause it's a better one. Happy, 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 healthy parent club, happy, healthy parent club. Thank you. I was about <laughs> to call it the happy club or something. Anyways, happy, <laughs> healthy parent club. I'm in there and I love what you share and I'm just so grateful that you do the work you do because it's so needed and we get to benefit. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been so much fun. Oh, yay. And thank you for letting me come and be your guest host on your own podcast. I'm so grateful you got to let me come and do this and hear all about the great Hannah for a change. (laughs) Well, it's really weird because I think when I'm a guest on other people's shows, I'm like talking about myself and stuff, but it's very much like this particular little bit of it and, um, you know, to fit for their audience. And so it's lovely that you're just kind of asking me things you're curious about and letting me kind of just go off on tangents and talk about things that I'm really passionate about. And honestly, we could have stayed here all night and I probably... Well, we we did two out of the like 72, the list of 72 things. So, you know, maybe we'll just have to do it again one yeah. day and dig into the other things. You We didn't even touch on like well-being coaching that you do and, <laughs> oh. and your, your social enterprise we have. Anyway, so we'll yeah. do a part two. And yes. hit other things on the list next time. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. okay, wonderful. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, bye. So a huge, huge thank you to Jess for for joining me, well, for hosting, for uh, running the show for this episode. Also, uh, check out episode 19, way back near the beginning when Jess joined me and we were talking about... Uh, what were we talking about? Confidence. We got into parenting weirdly, even though that wasn't the topic that we were, we were due to talk about. Um, but, you know, definitely check out Jess Light Up Work on Instagram and Facebook. She's putting out some amazing stuff around confidence, as I said. Um, and yeah, we will absolutely be back for another one of these um, in the future. Uh, so if you are interested, if you have questions, things you're curious about, let me know. And I'm um, either in that setting or just generally I will have a go at answering them and, and sharing some thoughts uh, so I am at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e coaching across social media Facebook Instagram and Twitter if for any reason <laughs> Facebook and Instagram are down um, again um, and you can also email me hannah h-a-n-n-a-h-s at psyche p-s-y-k-h-e dot co dot uk and as I mentioned in this episode I do have a couple of things going on if you want to sort of dive in and have more. <laughs> so the Happy Healthy Parent Club is on Facebook. Uh, so just search that up. We would love to welcome you into that community. Uh, my freebie I mentioned is available via my website. There's a banner at the top. If you want more connected conversations with your teen, you can download that. It's a free download, uh, six strategies in that PDF. And then lastly, as I mentioned, I do have a couple of coaching spaces at the moment, and that could be if you're a parent and anything that we talked about really resonated with you today. Uh, If you are neurodiverse and wanting to sort of work with that and and, um, identity is a big thing that I love to coach and support people around. Um, Or if you uh, have a child, a young person, probably from around 11 up, kind of school age, 
um, or secondary school age, then I also work with young people. But yes, just two slots. <laughs> so if you're interested, drop me an email or on my website, there's the information about all the kinds of coaching that I do, the, the wellbeing, youth, parenting and neurodiversity. So you can check those out um, and get in touch. And I always offer a free consultation first, um, like a half hour chat, because I think it's so important to find the right professional to work with whether it is a coach a counsellor whoever um they're the big two on my mind <laughs> but to find that right connection because the the relationship is so important and feeling that it is a safe space uh, someone that you feel that you can work with and that may be me it may not be me so uh, it's something that I, that I offer to everyone um anyway so yeah if you're interested head over to psyche.co.uk um, and all the information is on there um, you can also find if you scroll back through the episode with Jess and the show notes all that is also available wherever you're listening to this um, so please do check that one out as well and Jess is fab I honestly cannot <laughs> recommend her enough for, for confidence stuff and yes hopefully one of these kind of episodes will be back at some point in the future um, but next week we'll be back kind of with our usual program we've had our strategy roundup we've had this and we'll be back with an interview next week on Monday so um, as always I'm so so grateful to all of you for tuning in for listening for supporting the show please continue to keep doing so um, and to share it. It, it you know really means a lot and we really want to reach more people and have more people hear the kind of the message and the support and everything that we we talk about on the show so please do share until next time till monday as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and i'll speak to you soon bye for now <laughs>